I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me as ever, my sister from another mister, it's G. Hey, what up? What's, what's going on? Nothing much, chill. What's good? Okay. You know what's good? Pull up a chair, pull up a plate, because you know what? There's some crows in this house. There's some crows in this house. There's some yes. crows in you and me are gonna be eating crow. Like we've massively. Got, yeah, we've got two plates to eat. We've got a couple of plates to eat. You know, we picked wrong and strong, Mike, so there's plenty to eat. <laughs> plenty to eat. It wasn't even it, it wasn't even the, the wrong and strong. I don't know. I don't know how. How is it that your <laughs> sister from another mister we both picked against her. What's what's going on? Hey, well, you can't just say it was me and you. I think the whole world picked against her except for Shauna and her team. I'm telling you, I didn't see anybody picking for her. I, Mike, quite honestly, I thought this was a mismatch. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to steal the thunder if we, we talk about this later on. But, man, mm. the writings were on the wall here. And, and, and Shauna said, no, that's not what's going to happen today. Y'all going to learn. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely did learn. Plus, eight hundred underdog. But My you know, God. like like I say, let's let's not steal our thunder. Right, we right, are going right. to actually delve into that, and exactly. um, uh, the, the plate is going to be kind of like laden, full of crow. But you know what? Before <laughs> we even get there, just to like kind of um, give Bellator some love. Bellator two four four took place on what um, Friday. Correct. Ryan Bader. Um, try to become a two-weight champion in taking on um, Fedor's boy, Vadim Nemkov, and uh, came up short. I mean, I have to say, he was giving hella chances. I'm not sure if you saw the, the TKO oh, um, yeah. victory that, um, you know, Vadim Nemkov walked away with. But Ryan Bader had ample opportunity to get himself and his arse in gear and um, just didn't happen. No, he looked almost a little out of his league. Like, Vadim was uh, was catching him and seemed to be in control pretty much of that fight. He had Ryan Bader on the back foot. And that's not really something we see very often. Ryan comes straight forward, throws hands, and mixes up the wrestle boxing. And Vadim had that man moving backwards. And that's how he got that high kick, too, Mike. He had him pedaling and, and leaning to the right so much, he threw up the high kick and it landed. What do you mm. think of that stoppage, though? I saw some people thinking that Ryan took too much of a beating. Put it this way. Given what was at stake, given the fact that, you know, if they got it wrong, then they'd be criticised. And I, I personally thought they got it right. I think they gave him ample, or the ref gave him ample opportunity to get him himself um, in a good position. And he was intelligently mm -hmm. defending. So it's not as though, you see, we're going to get into this with the UFC. It's not as though there was a moment where, you know, his hands were down and he was just taking like, yeah. you know, 11 shots to the face. No, he was intelligently defending. And I suppose the key and most important thing is, I guarantee you that there was a conversation that took place with that ref beforehand. I guarantee you it was one of those conversations which went like, if you see me getting welled upon, 
don't stop the fight right. if I'm intelligently defending myself. And that's exactly what happened. I think the fight could have been stopped, but at the same time, I'm not upset that it wasn't because he was intelligently defending himself. So I feel like if the ref wanted to just be like, okay, I don't want to see anymore. This is getting out of hand. I would have been okay with that. But I did see Ryan trying to circle out, trying to get up. He's, he had that hand behind his head, his elbow out, mm. trying to keep you know the blows from you know hitting his face. And I did think the ref gave him ample time to do something about it, and I'm not too upset about the stoppage. But one more question for you, Mike. I Mm. found the fight promoting with Ryan Bader's family reminiscent of the Walt Harris debacle. You know, like when, when the promotion, when the organization pushes a promotion really hard and then it kind of blows up in their face. How'd you feel about like them going to the Bader party and his wife constantly and and for that type of um, upset? What'd you think? Put it this way, look, they're trying to sew a narrative here. They're trying to tell a story. And, you know, he is a family guy. And yeah. the, the feature of him is his whole family. So I understand. I get it. Um, it's just unfortunate that it wasn't coupled with a win. Let's just imagine what the narrative would have been if he did win. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So they, I feel, um, maybe um, back the wrong horse here. And that's why it was so family heavy. That's why the narrative was um, the way it was. But you can't wrong them. I mean, I'll ask you a question then. What else are they going to attach to um, Ryan Bader in terms of a story, in terms of a storyline? That's true. All his stories are from the UFC. Yeah. And also, like you said, his storyline is being that family guy, that family support Mm. and the kids and, and, and whatnot. So there really isn't anything else. He's not a controversial guy. He's not you know, aligned politically to anything. He's just there to fight and he seems to be just good natured. So that I guess that's why they ran with it. I just was cringing and was worried in the back of my mind. Like if this doesn't go well, please don't go back to the party. I don't want to see them crying or, you know, like (laughs) cool it, Bellator. I know you're trying to sell something here, but I was happy to see that they didn't do that. They had the sense to be like, all right, cancel the party. Let's move on. But it, it was a little weird. And it did remind me of Walt Harris when they promoted him you know, and, and the tragedy, and then he lost the fight like that. But it is what it is. I guess it's a part of the fight game. Mm. Oh, big time. Yeah. Before we um, segue into Munoz versus Edgar, um, well, the entire card topped by those two guys, um, I think it's only right, given that, you know, this is a UK guy. I know this isn't a, a, a boxing podcast, but, you know, the link here is um, Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin went down in the boxing uh, arena, as it were. Now, it was staged at Matrim Boxing's headquarters because they're kind of like established almost like a fight island, but in Essex. It's literally down the road from me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin took place last night, and it was the knockout basically heard around the world. For those who don't know, um, Dillian White is Brixton-based, and the connection to MMA here is Jimmy Manua. Jimmy Manua um, sparred quite heavily with Dillian White, you name it, in terms of every single major build-up for um, Jimmy Manua's um, fights when he was actually in the UFC. And um, Dillian, unfortunately, was at the wrong end of a KO last night. And, you know, there is a bittersweet to this, and that is, the bitter is that, you know, he'll come back from this, he'll learn from that, because um, 
I, I imagine that looking at that tape, looking back, especially, you know, waking up from that on a Sunday morning, mm. there are lots of things that he, as, you know, um, a boxer will take away from that. But the, the, the bitterness kind of like is not just the fact that, you know, I rate Dillian White. I, I think of him as a, someone who I chat to and, you know, um, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. But Alexander Povetkin, I think the elephant in the room here is that he's a failed drugs chief. Now, it's not just the once, yes. It's not just twice. This is a repeat offender. Now, there's two things um, which I want to check my facts before, you know, I I, I go on a rant here. Mm -hmm. But when you look at this whole matchup, when you look at the fact that this is on the grounds of matchroom, that would kind of like beg the question in the lead up to this fight, was there a drug test? Now, again, I want to check this out before I go in too deep because I don't know the answer to it, but I imagine that they wouldn't be. Think about it. This isn't something which is taking place in an arena. This isn't something which is taking place um, in the usual, um, well, setting, as it were. Mm -hmm. This was in the grounds of Matchroom Boxing's HQ. Now... I just keep coming back to this in my mind that Dillian White was knocked out and it was a clean KO by a failed repeat offender drug cheat. Wow. Alexander Povetkin. You can't get away from facts. You can't get away from history. And um, whilst I keep coming back to this, it was a spectacular KO. Let's just call it what it is. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Rain me in. You tell me if um, people deserve second, third, Fourth chances in life. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um. <laughs> what was that? A little bit too sarcastic. <laughs> if, if this was a, a court of law, I think someone would hit you with leading. Okay. Um. <laughs> Let me. Yeah, s- alleged. <laughs> right, alleged. alleged. Uh, yeah, alleged. Our favorite word on the on the podcast. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Um, as soon as you mentioned the cheating, you know, I'm just like, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute. And then on top of it, you're telling me that this is a repeat offender. Like, yikes. Yeah. That kind of sucks. But let me tell you, Mike, that uppercut from hell that he delivered is what people are thinking about right now. I haven't seen mm-hmm. not one post discussing um, his previous PEDS you know, usage, but I do see people talking about this uppercut he delivered. And you know how Clearly goes. whitewashed clearly whitewashed don't you think again am i being a conspiracy theorist here i don't think you're being a conspiracy theorist i just think like recency bias and also the the beauty of that uppercut is going to surpass what you're talking about you know what i Mm. mean like i just think right now people find that uppercut to be stunning it was flush It it was technical uh the um you know his opponent looked like he died standing up you know no disrespect but I mean, it no, was. But it's true. He was out on his yeah, feet. Yeah, he was man. out on his feet, and it was visually stunning. And then it was also beautiful and technical and fast. It was everything fans want to see in a boxing match. And then on top of it, in boxing, if you take one loss, it it it, it can really harm your career. So I think people are more focused on that rather than the guy hey he used to cheat you know so it's unfortunate though i do agree with you that should be a part of the conversation but right now everybody's in love with that uppercut man so <laughs> i don't know but, to but that's tell my you. question to you yeah that's my question to you though how many chances do you get to cheat i don't know that i think um 
How is he fighting with that many offenses? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> ding ding yeah, ding. Yeah, I get. I, I yes. I hear you on that. That is that is the question. Um, I don't know if it was up to me, he wouldn't be fighting. But I guess this is a conversation that we need to discuss about boxing and corruption. Then, because mm. if he can cheat all the time like this, I mean, he's a repeat offender. Then just come in here, knock someone out, and then everybody forget about it, and we keep it moving. Like he's not a repeat <laughs> offender. It's kind of. <laughs> I don't know. It kind kind of points the finger to corruption. So I don't. I'm not too much of a boxing guru, but if yeah, same here. I would just say a repeat offender should not have this many opportunities to fight. But we don't make the rules, Mike. The uppercut was exactly. lovely, though, brother. I'm not even gonna lie. That shit was gorgeous. Man, and you know something? It it, it kind of like. Um, the theme of that fight rolled into the UFC. I'll tell you why. Um, it looked as though Dillian White had that fight in the bag because he dropped him or he dropped um, uh, Povetkin at least I think it was twice yes so it looked as though he was coming up for you know a real like definitive um, win here and then the tide turned and that I feel it's a theme that we're going to get into now. Oh, absolutely. With uh, the Munoz versus that Edgar was, um, That was the card. theme for combat sports, period, this weekend. It was like, if you're the underdog <laughs> or if you're losing the fight, you still have fight in you and you can win. So mm. you damn right it bled into the UFC. But go ahead, Mike. Keep going. Well, fight night Munoz versus Edgar at the UFC Apex. Um, I... You know, in true G style, watched every single prelim. And, you know, first off, first off, I feel as though I need to man up here and get out my massive plate for my first bit of crow. I, going into this, said it was shit. The card was shit. The whole lineup was shit. I personally was only going to be awake for the main event. What a fucking mistake of a statement that was. In the words of Dana White, how can you actually make that statement when the card hasn't taken place? Damn, that card was sick. Yeah, the card. From top to bottom, I oh. thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it was just nothing but slobber knocking fun. Um, some parts of it were technical, like Joe Selecki and that um, standing mm. uh, you know, guillotine was, was technical, um, calm, composed, beautiful. Also, Mike, we have more, well, I have more crow to eat besides the obvious two plates with Shauna Dobson and Frankie Edgar. <laughs> I would just like to say that I am not a huge fan of the Contender Series, and I'm just starting to get into it. But this card was full of Contender Series stars that yeah. I just was not yeah. aware of. Mm. And it's really making me appreciate the talent that's over there because, you know, I'm just not a, I don't get into tough and Contender Series anymore. I'm just straight pay-per-view or fight night cards type of girl. And mm. I have to say this card is making me eat crow and also make me go back and catch last week's episode that I missed. And I'm going to get into the Contender Series even more. I mean, we had Mike me Rodriguez. Yeah, Joe mm. Selecki. I'm Daniel Rodriguez. These are all Contender Series guys, Mike, that put on a show for us. And that's just it. I, just like yourself, have been sleeping on the Contender yep. Series. For me... I just see this as kind of like, um, and wrongly, I, I see the Contender Series as UFC light. Now, Me too. obviously, people start off somewhere, and it would seem that the caliber of people that they're letting through 
isn't just the makeup numbers. They are actually of a certain caliber because, as you as you rightly say, this was like you know the Contender Series show. Showcase. Yeah. Um, let let let's start off. Um, you know, with the runners and riders and the, the ones which kind of like floated mm-hmm. our collective boats. Now, for me, um, first up, I'm going to go with Timir um, Valiev and uh, Trevin Jones. I mean, after being welled upon oh my and God. again, seemingly out of the actual fight, it looked as though, you know, the ref should have stepped in at some point. I'm so glad he didn't because, man, the second round... <laughs> Getting that KO that or hard TKO. right, yes, that just Man. dropped him and, and it landed right on uh, Valiev's chin. And after mm. that, it was just over. Like the ground and pound was precise, but Mike, it was exactly what you said in round one. Things weren't going Trevin's way at all. Nah, like, he was he was he was countering in the in the first round in the beginning of the first round. He was countering nicely, but Valiev started to take over. He started to have all these flashy kicks. I think Mike in the first round. I saw Valiev throw an axe kick, a back kick, a teep kick, a front like yeah. it was just an array of kicks and then a flying knee. This guy Trevin couldn't handle it at first and I thought the ref was going to stop the fight then mm-hmm. only for him to come back and drop this dude and finish the fight. Unreal. It is Man. Just thrilling. Mm-mm-mm. Now before we go on to the next, I think that you should choose the next one, which floated your boat. Oh, not a problem here. Um, what did I like? I liked the slobber knocker Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. Um, these fellas came out, they went straight to business. I loved it. They were throwing heavy leather from the time the fight started until it was over in the first round. It was unreal. And Grant's reach was scary. Like, I think he had a four-inch reach advantage, and he was using it to his advantage. He dropped Daniel first, and then Daniel gets up and drops him. And also, shout out to the ref, Mike. I think Daniel did, again, a really good job of covering himself up. Again, he had his hand on his head, elbow out. He turned his face away from the punches. And if you watch the fight, because I did see some people say, hey, man, you know, the ref should have stopped it. No, no, no. Daniel was moving, covering up. And a lot of times, Dwight punched his forearm. Arm 50 times, not his face. Yeah. And that's why yeah. Daniel was able to get up and not be wobbly on his feet. He looked fine and came back and delivered his heavy left hand and, and dropped Dwight and won. And that's when mm-hmm. you got to like give the ref props. Like, beautiful, beautiful reason not to stop the fight was right there in front of us. And Daniel did a good job. It was just a great fight. And again, Mike, another comeback fight. Daniel got dropped first and then he comes back and wins the fight. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's just it. The, you know, the, there was a similarity here again with the boxing yep. as well, because um, uh, Dillian White is known as the body snatcher. Yep. And so is Dwight Grant. And, uh, you know, the, the body snatcher got killed twice in one night. Oh, yeah. Which is just unfortunate. But um, no, I totally agree with you. Incredible first round after a hail of hammer fist. I mean, that onslaught was absolutely just terrifying that was a you know savage bit of um well combination of blows which was just like you know landing at their target with like some serious ferocity it wasn't wasn't the most technically sound fight that you know it it, it, that's not why we like this fight why we like this fight is because they stayed in each other's face until somebody dropped Mm. and somebody was Mm. tough enough not to go to sleep get up and finish the job that's why we like the fight it's okay when two guys brawl 
and it gets a little sloppy because it, it turns into fun like this, you know? Sometimes I like a technical bout, like we saw with the main event with Frankie and, and, and um, Munoz, and then sometimes you, I like these slobber knocker fights right here, you know? I, yeah, I, I mean, talk it. about a rally back. Yeah. Talk about a rally back from hell, though, because I don't know, is it me? Is my, is my memory failing me here, though? It, it looked as though the roles were reversed in exactly the same kind of punishment that was, that was going down? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it, it's like the tides ta- had changed so quickly, but it was the same type yeah. of pun- You know what I mean? Like, that's yes. what made it so yes. intriguing. It's like mm. they, they did the same thing to each other, but Daniel prevailed. And, <laughs> and you can see it because the fight was stopped because Dwight started to get, like, dizzy, and you could see him yeah. kind of go out against the cage. That never happened when Dwight was giving Daniel the business. That's why mm, he was mm. protecting himself so well and the ref didn't call it. I don't remember that ref's name, but he did an excellent job with that fight. No, I don't, I don't remember his name yeah. either, but you're absolutely right. I just want to circle back because there's, there's a fight on the prelims which I missed, and that was Ike Valinueva and uh, Jordan Wright. Absolutely amazing. Another when you think one. about it, that, that, that what, what was that? It was a spinning back kick or was it? A t- yeah, the, what, to what, start what? the fight, Jordan does like a spinning back kick and, and connects. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> just like that, off the rip. No setup. Yeah, off mm. the rip. Like you know, I'm out here to do my business, and here we go. And then what I loved about it was that he connected, but Isaac was down. He, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he was tough as nails. And but then you know that tie clinch, and then those knees from such a you know big ass opponent like Jordan. It just yeah. took his eyebrow and and opened him up so well. But. If you watch the fight, Isaac was down. He was hitting him with some body shots while he was in the clinch, mm. and he was so pissed off when the fight got called off. I actually felt bad for him because you could tell he wanted to bang too. You know, like the fight yeah. wasn't over for him. He was like, "Yeah, I'm cut, and I got, you know, knocked up." But now it's you could tell he wanted to deliver his blows to Jordan, and he couldn't. No, but that gash, it was incredible. I mean, it looked oh. like you'd see you could see into his skull. It was quite deep. It was, it and it was and pretty horrific. Yeah, and when the doctor called it off, there were no complaints or anything with me. It was a, a it's justified. That was going to open up and get worse and, and be even more, you know, just horrible for Isaac if they had not called it off. So again, shout out to the doctor this time, but it was a good stoppage. Yeah, yeah, but getting back to the main card. Mm-hmm. Um, again, time to get out another plate because the other plate that I had was way too full. Time to get out a new, a brand new plate and uh, take up some more crow. Maria Agapova versus uh, G from, no, Charlotte <laughs> Hobson. <laughs> she looked more like you than she has ever looked more like you in any other fight. I mean, I have to say, Shanna Dobson represented G last night. (laughs) You should have seen my mentions last night, because apparently a lot of people feel that way. I still don't think that I look anything like her, but I don't mind being (laughs) her twin right now. And guess what? I am hella into this. The amount of stress that I was under last night watching my twin fight was horrendous, Mike. I could barely (laughs) tweet. You know, I I can spit them off while watching a fight easy. With her, Mm -mm -mm. I was clenched up. I was, like, covering my face. I was under such huge amounts of stress. I felt like I was in there with her, Mike. Like, this this was a phenomenal performance. And not only that, Mike, she was down, what, three fights? You know she was going to get that pink slip. 
Oh, big time. And that's just it. Bearing in mind what happened in this. Now, let's just look at the beauty. Let's not let's not skip over the fact that Maria Agapova looked terrifying in the first round. High energy, high impact. Those intense um, striking um, arrangements that she had. What she brought to the dance was was absolutely terrifying. Now, imagine you're, Shana, imagine you've got that pink slip looming. And to come back with a mixed bag uh, or from a mixed bag of wins and losses and knowing that you're the plus 800 underdog man that was an incredible performance and you know she, even her to, to the extent of you know running around the, the cage shouting underdog underdog yeah, I, I just barking. thought that was po- yeah. poetry man poetry and the barking man how about the 50 g she got from dana and and not for nothing a lot well of deserved. and a lot of times i believe that this was maria akapovo's like again like some type of i thought this was a mismatch or i thought this was like a red carpet fight for maria i really thought this yeah. was going to show they did this on purpose she mm. you know shana's on her way out she's she's lost 3 in a row Maria's for some odd reason beats up hannah cypress and then calls out shana which is so strange cuz it's like She's lo- she's lost three in a row, and this uh, this kind of looks like a mismatch to a lot of people. But here you are calling yeah. out somebody with three. That's where she went wrong in the first place. How are you calling out somebody on a losing streak, and you're somebody that's <laughs> like just want to fight by beating up Hannah Cyphers, and you've got all this momentum? Go up, girl. You don't go down. But since she did that, the that cockiness, was, right? And I thought that was the weak. cockiness, exactly. The, the, the swaying to and fro, the dancing before. Yeah, yeah. She she thought she had this in the bag. Yep. She thought that this was going to be light work. But what I loved about the, how Ashana handled business, those what did you say about my mama type punches that she was dealing out oh there there was some venom in those yeah there was venom in the punches <laughs> mm. um i love the fact too that like she used her wrestling did you see like the the throws or just like she was um on top position of course that's how she won but even when yep. she was on the bottom and maria was on top she was doing well she fought the hands we talked about the she hands. survived that first round yeah. sub Easily. She fought the hands. When Maria started to put yeah. her arms around her neck, she did what we said Anthony Rumble Johnson doesn't do. We talked about that last week. <laughs> she fought the hands. I thought she looked mm. phenomenal. I thought this was her best performance. But I did think Maria overestimated her. I think she blew her load in the first round. And I think she had no intention of leaving the first round. I think she thought this was going to be an easy fight and she was going to smoke her. And that's what I was saying before, Mike. She called her out thinking it was an easy fight, and then she fought her like it was an easy fight. And now she, you know, she left out in a stretcher exhausted. So You see, I don't know whether that was stress exhaustion, because when you look at her behavior before the fight, it was a little bit odd. And I think they said it on the broadcast. It was like an adrenaline dump because she had to be stretched off. I think it was um, Angela Yee. No, she um, was. I saw the footage, yeah. Posted the, the footage, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for, for me... That looked very, very weird, considering how she started off. Where did all that energy go? Well, she blew it. She, that's what I mean. She blew her load. She, I mean, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. I, isn't her expertise boxing? I feel like she's, she's from, I can't pronounce it, but from the same town as um, the Shevchenko sisters. And I believe she is a boxer, and she looked really... Oh, okay. I, Didn't know that. I believe. I need to look it up, but... I know in her last fight, she boxed up Hannah Cyphers beautifully, had some beautiful kicks, and she looked a bit more mm. composed and technical. And in this fight, she was winging punches. She looked ferocious, but she didn't look as technically sound as she did last time. Overall, yeah. it wasn't just that she gassed herself out. I, th- she, I think she looked sloppy, in my opinion. But I think lesson learned, 
I'm not going to rag on her too much because her performance says it all, but I think she's going to learn from that and come oh, back even time. stronger. And she's an exciting fighter. All she has to do is destroy one more um, opponent in front of her, and the fans will love her again because she is exciting, and she's also hella weird. You saw all that twitching she was doing before the fight even started? Like, yes. Fans <laughs> lost it. They were cracking up. There, there were memes and stuff. If she keeps it up, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll pay attention to her again. She just has to win her next one and, and keep being all twitchy and shit. She'll be all right. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. She certainly got my attention. Exactly. I'll be watching Edgar Pover's next fight for sure. Yeah, both, both ladies. I, yep. what, what I think needs a, a little bit of attention as well, Shanna Dobson, repping the Jamaican flag. Yes, West Indian Massive, yes. <laughs> I like that. And also, too, I lived in D.C. Mm. for like 18 years. She is also from D.C., my second home, so shout out to her for that, too. I mean, she's just... We just love her now. You know what I mean? Like, she proved us wrong. She had a beautiful performance, and she shut the haters yeah. up. So, And she deserved that 50K, Mike. Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Big time. Austin Hubbard versus Joe Selecki. Now, man, imagine, imagine you're in the midst of battle, and you're riding someone like a backpack, and you're constantly hand-fighting, and you're doing all of this whilst knowing that you're trying to secure a standing rear naked choke. Man, absolutely incredible, stunning performance from Joe Selecki. I, I don't know about you, but um, that isn't how I thought that was going to go down. I'm not going to lie. I put my hands up. Mike, I had no expectations of the fight, but even before... Really? We, no, no. I don't know Contender Series dudes, I'm telling you. I just, uh, okay. you know, like, I don't know. I didn't know a lot of these guys. But let me tell you, I was impressed with him before he climbed on the guy's back. His footwork, his his hands, he yeah. was technically sound. Like, his movement was hella impressive. Kind of reminded me of, like, a Frankie Edgar that stands a bit more upright. But his footwork, mm-hmm. he was quick. He was catching him. He was, and then he used his footwork to get in there and also get on the guy's back. And I was impressed before he even, you know, got on his back. It was It was beautiful. And then he gets on his back, and he has the patience to fight the hands, to fight the hands. You know, he's breathing, you know, nicely. He's not panicking. He's not overdoing it with the shots. He looked like a true professional. And, and, and he made it look like it was a walk in the park. I was so impressed with his performance. Mm-hmm. Unreal. What did you make of um, Marcin uh, Pacino and um, Mike Rodriguez? What did you think of that? Man, listen. At, you know, at first mm-hmm. I was loving Marcin's, like, um... Um, low calf kicks. I was like, yup, mm-hmm. that's right. You better get rid of that, you know, that power he has. You better, you know, you better get rid of that Take leg so that out. you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can work on your offense right away. I knew what the game plan was, but that elbow over the top was murder, she wrote, and it was gorgeous and it was, it was yeah. hard. And I love the follow up afterwards. You know, the guy, you know, fell apart in his hands. He comes over him and he finishes the job. It was a beautiful performance. What'd you think? What I loved, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of wicked combinations, which aren't that well used. And that knee-elbow, knee-elbow, knee-elbow yes. combination, that standing nasty knee, um, sorry, standing nasty elbows. And the way he kind of like just kept switching up that combination yeah. for me, I was mesmerized. Me too. Absolutely mesmerized. Loved it. I liked how he brought him in, too. It's, he had so much control in the clinch. And that's, you know, Marcin is another grown-ass man. And for him to just kind of <laughs> see him bring in his elbow, like grab his head and bring that yeah. elbow in with all that force, like like Marcin was some little baby, like, come here. You know what I mean? Like, it was just so <laughs> impressive to me. I was just like, Jesus, Mike, like, go ahead now. And, and, and remember, Marcin came out aggressive. He was attacking that lead leg. 
and Mike yeah. made the proper adjustments. And like again, murder she wrote. Beautiful fight. Topped off, I have to say, this main card. Um, we were spoiled up until, you know, obviously the main event um, by finishes. But I'm glad that we didn't get a finish. I wanted this. I wanted every single drop of it to go to the fifth round um, without the finish. Because I wanted to see, I just make up my own mind, what Edgar looked like as a bantamweight. I mean, this yeah. was his first foray, as it were, into bantamweight. And it suits him. He had, excused upon the answer for everything that Munoz actually came forward with. And I heard and I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about how close it was. For me, it wasn't close at all. I, I gave that quite clearly to, to Edgar. Don't get me wrong. Um, I can see why people were saying um, it was close. But, you know, his corner was telling him, I think, the right thing. And that was to mix up. Um, the, the whole offense and the, the whole um, attack with not just standing up and mm. you know doing damage on the feet but mixing up with takedowns because they were kind of like neck and neck in terms of strikes landed and the way in which they were kind of like controlling the action on the feet it needed that kind of like switch up switcheroo in terms of action and yeah. um, I just love the fact that I was able to make up uh, my mind in terms of you know what Edgar looks like at this weight and I was impressed very very impressed yeah Again, Mike, we need to eat crow. Last week's show, all you know, I know for me, I remember exactly what I said. I was like, oh, MMA has pushed past this guy. And yeah. now I'm kind of like, yeah. no, I think he's in the bantamweight division and he's going to win a couple fights. You know what I mean? Like, now mm. I want to walk back on that. And I want to say, too, with Frankie, do I think he's going to become champion in this division? Nah. But I think um, there's some fun fights for him out there. But I think Frankie's going to pursue that gold. Though I think he's gonna like you know go after the top five, but I would like to see him have you know fun in this division. But I don't think his career is over just yet. His performance no. was thrilling, and it was just he looked good. There's no other way around it. He looked good. My question to you, Mike, though, this was a very mm. close fight. To me, it could have mm. went either way. Who'd you who who won to you? Oh, definitely Edgar. I thought uh, so. Too. I, yeah. I, I, as I say, I, I don't know, maybe I'm putting too much store by the by the advice from the corner, but they were neck and neck in terms of how they looked on the feet. And in order, I feel, to snatch it and to prove to the judges, look, um, you were attacking on all fronts. The takedowns were definitely needed. So the corner advice was spot on. Yeah. Absolutely superb. I mean, Mike, here's the thing. I watched the fight twice, right? And both times I watched mm. the fight, I'm thinking to myself... Frankie is landing the three-punch combinations all the time. And he yeah. looks like he's slightly, and I want to just say slightly, and just by a smidgen, it looks as if he's outworking him. It looks as if, you know, Munoz is landing the harder, more significant shots and the harder jab. But it looks like Frankie's and, landing... And the harder leg kicks. There you go. And those leg kicks that mm. he did abandon, I think if he would have kept doing them, he would have won the fight. Yes. But... Frankie did have two takedowns. They probably didn't amount to a lot, but they still happened. So he probably got some yes. type of points. But here's the thing. The next day, Mike, after I watch the fight, I go into the UFC stats, and statistically, it looks like Munoz beat him. Like, he landed more strikes, believe it or not, and he landed the more significant strikes. So I quite wow. understand why he feels like he won and also why, you know, like, a lot of people did pick him. But it just looked as if Frankie outworked him, though, by yeah. a smidgen, to me. And then the two takedowns. 
That's mm-hmm. how I scored it. I, I really thought Frankie won, but it's not a robbery. Either fighter could have walked away with this. Quite, I, I just you know, I just feel strongly that way. It's not a robbery. Did you feel like it was? It could have been a robbery, or n- no, exactly. no. Um, I, in all honesty, if they turned around and said that Munoz would have won, I wouldn't have been mad at it. Neither would I. But I was pleased that Edgar won because I think he proved himself and he proved his worth and he proved how good he looked at bantamweight. But um, I can understand why you know people who looking at this and 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 feeling as though. Um, Munoz did enough um, mm-hmm. would think that but I, I really do think people need to put more store in the fact that you know the takedowns they do count for a lot they really do but that's like so subjective because I, I said that online I was like I you know think he won because he did eat two takedowns and someone was yeah. able to argue with me like Gina he didn't do anything with them so how much did they really how much was the value of the takedowns did it really get him the edge to win so that's why I'm like how did the judges see those t- two takedowns because I feel like with me even though it just changes the position of the fight from the from standing up to the floor you still accomplish something even if you were not able to keep him there and that should count for something and I You're really, controlling your opponent. Right. And I and Frankie did have two takedowns to none during a very yes. close fight. So yep. you have to take that into consideration. But also here's, you know, let me play devil's advocate. Pedro Munoz, after the fight, he alluded to saying that Frankie won the fight because, you know, he's a former champ. People are no. more familiar with him. So basically he no. was alluding to, as politely as he could be, though, he did it, you know, mm. professionally. He alluded to... You know, former championship favoritism. What do you think? <laughs> no, I mean, these are independent judges. The independent judges aren't looking at it from former right. status. It's not the fans now, judging the it, fight. Right. <laughs> you, you see, if, if, if this was um, judged by the fans, yes, but it isn't. It's judged by people who are looking at technical ability and, and more importantly, look. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed it in terms of, look, he changed the position of the fight with the takedowns. It's as simple as that. If it had been kept standing, then, you know, there'd be more argument, there'd be more debate, there'd be more uh, kerfuffle. But that's why his corner had it spot on. Frankie, you need to change the position of the fight by going for those takedowns. Yeah. I think they said that in, the, I think it's either the second, uh, no, I think it was either the first or the second um, stanza. Yeah, the first or second round. They, they gave him that advice. But very early on in the fight, he was told, look, you need to get more takedowns. And he did. You need he, to he score some takedowns. To coach. Yep. Straight I, away. Yeah. I enjoyed, um, believe it or not, call me a weirdo, but I enjoyed listening to Frankie Edgar fight with no fans. It was the first time that I've heard him fight like that. It was nice to hear those combinations, his breathing, and I like to hear his coach. You can hear them see, thoroughly giving him punch combinations, and I enjoyed hearing that. This is an unlikely um, benefit, I feel, from the whole COVID-19 situation. We are hearing things that we will never, Never ever hear again when things go back to normal. And um, it's such an insight into the corner and the way that they think and the way that they actually directing um, their fighter. And the fact that they can be heard. Yeah. You know, the, the corner can be heard, not just by us, but in the fight, um, the corner can be heard. Mike, it's just you, hearing and seeing them acting on yes. that. To me, it's fascinating. You can hear them breathing. Like, it, mm. like yeah, last night I'm listening to them. I'm listening to their breathing. I can hear Frankie breathing through his three-punch combinations. And then yeah. as you listen to Pedro, his breathing is consistent. These were two cardio machines. 
Like mm-hmm. the, their cardio did not waver from round one to round five. And also we need to talk about how tough or how mentally tough Frankie Edgar is. His leg was mush. It was probably killing him all night. And I, I firmly oh, believe, Mike, I'm telling you, I think he ignored the pain because he, his footwork was still pretty good. He slowed down a little bit, and it's probably why he didn't go for more takedowns. He was probably in too much pain. But the fact that he was still able to slip in and out of there and still produce the amount of punching volume on a dead leg was just something I couldn't believe. In fact, Mike, he went to the hospital because of his leg afterwards. Like He was unable to speak at the post-conference fight because of that leg, but yet his poker face I can imagine. was ridiculous. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that poker face was for one of two reasons. And one of them Dana White alluded to, or he didn't allude to, he made it quite blatant in saying that Frankie didn't actually show any pain, any um, reaction to that. Because in the eyes of the judges, you don't want that to steer them. You don't want that to actually maneuver your yourself out too. of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I do see adrenaline playing or playing a large part in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, whilst you're in the midst of battle, that's going to just take your mind off it because, you know, that's the uh, that's the body's natural pain reliever. So I can imagine immediately after it, it, the, the fight was over, that is why, you know, he suddenly felt it. Yeah, because he probably blocked it for so long or the adrenaline mm. dump and then he's blocking it. And also, too, how smart is he? to not only make sure the judges don't see him in pain, but maybe that is why Pedro abandoned the the um, the kicks to the... It wasn't working maybe to him. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of times when you see guys get kicked in the leg, they start limping, you know, yep. their power shots start to wane, um, they go for less takedowns, and Frankie kind of masked the pain that he was in, and he only mm. stopped doing something he wasn't doing frequently, which was takedowns anyway. So maybe that played a part in why Pedro abandoned the leg kicks. Like, fuck it, it's not even slowing him down so i'll just go for the killer you know if i'll go i'll go for the knockout punch and yeah i don't know i'm I'm obviously i'm assuming things but you never know because frankie's mental fortitude and his performance was so tough who knows what pedro was thinking you know great fight though i really loved it and enjoyed it oh 100 you know i think it's about time we uh took some listener questions um whilst i link up and whilst I um, sort out the audio do you want to read through yeah right now what you got this is from filthy casual and he um, we were, he wants to know what we thought and how we how Frankie looked last night we kind of already answered that but we'll roll yeah. with his second question how do you think this move would have been earlier in Frankie's career you go I first, think Mike. what what we saw last night was the weight suits him and it suits him greatly and I think you know there's no point in you know crying over spilt milk but I do feel he would have been um definitely a contender uh to to the belt uh, earlier in his career had he had that switch earlier but yeah I liked how he looked and uh he definitely I think would have benefited from doing this earlier but hey we are where we are yeah how about you well, I think that I, I feel the same exact way, Mike, to be honest with you. I think he might have been a contender in that division. But mm. I'm, I'm like you. Why complain over spilled milk? I think everything happens for a reason. I love that he's probably going to hang out here before he retires and that he's proved to us that he can hang here. So I feel like the chips fell where they were supposed to. But I, I think he would have been successful. I saw nothing last night that made me think this was a bad cut or move for him. Yeah, yeah. But no, I have 100%. a question for you. 
Mm. Like, who do you think he should fight next? Uh, that's a good question. Um, tough, right? Bantamweight. Why don't we go for someone like? Why not Nathaniel Wood? Oh my God, you are obsessed with Nathaniel. I think I. Let me see. I, I think that would be a good scrap, because Nathaniel yeah. Wood is like he's fast, Striker. he's scrappy, mm-hmm. he's got mm-hmm. good hands. Mm-hmm. I think though that Frankie, believe it or not, even at thirty eight, would be able to use that footwork and also mix in some wrestling with that. But here's my issue with that matchup. Frankie yeah. is either going to... He's going to look for gold. Frank, I think Frankie even said in the post-fight interview that he was looking to fight, like, you know, to contend. So he's going to be looking to fight it probably again, like, the, you know, Corey Sanhagen, someone at the top. He's going to want to go up. Me personally, I want Frankie to have fun in this division. I want to yeah, see him t- fight an... Go ahead, you're Mike. talking about him being launched, like rocketed forward. If you're I think going that's to what those he wants. heavy heights, I think really that's what that he quickly. Wants. Yeah, I watched the post-fight interview. He was like, mm. "I just fought the the top five guy." He's alluding to like going up. He want. I think he's. I think he wants to challenge for the title one more time. I don't think he's here. I don't think he has the pettis attitude of just having fun. I think he's gonna try one more time for greatness and, and get the the gold. I don't agree with that. I don't think that he can do that but you know i'm happy that if he wants to try I'll, I'll watch him but my fight for frankie is dominic cruz legend dominic cruz versus legend mm. it's the time is to do it now before they retire they're both older they have that that funky footwork and you know it's a fight that we could have seen years ago but because of injuries and whatnot and just their paths never cross i think the time is now and I really wish Frankie would be open to it, but I doubt he is. If he's if he wants to fight for the title, he's not going to want to fight Dominic Cruz. But I think I love it. Don't you? Isn't that dope? Yeah, I love yeah. that fight a lot. Yeah. It hit me like this morning while watching it, and then I'm listening to Dominic Cruz's voice, and then I'm just mm. like, wait a minute, aren't you the former banter? And then it, it it hit me like a ton of bricks. Why don't they fight? Legend versus legend. And then I think you can sell that. That'd be a dope-ass fight night. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Um, you know, like a co-main on a pay-per-view card. I'm Why loving not? the legend versus legend narrative of that. I love Me that. Too. That has to happen. That has yeah, to happen. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. So let's keep our fingers crossed, but don't be surprised if Frankie goes in another direction. That like He wants Peter Yan, you know? So. Telling you, Nathaniel Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're still salty that he lost to Dotson, but Mike yeah. is gonna, he's gonna, he's coming up. Just give him some time. He's the <laughs> prospect. He just needs to change his name so people stop thinking of him as the prospect. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I'm you. one of those people. Like, you're gonna be forever known a prospect if you're like, what if he, t- what if he contends for a title? He can't be called the prospect. Yeah, well, exactly. There is that. Yep. Speaking of coming up, is. Todd Rhino from Combat Sports with Rhino. Hey, all my friends over there at Shots Fired. It's your big homie Rhino. So, I was giving, uh, you know, giving a look over of next week's card, and you know, Robbie Lawler is fighting Neil Magny. Robbie Lawler is not going to be considered one of those people that 
most people put on the Mount Rushmore of greatest of all time to do it. However, he should certainly be put on the Mount Rushmore in MMA of people who have had you know longevity in a career where it's a pretty short list of guys who have been able to fight for as long as he have. I I, I remember watching him back you know in like 2003 I think. So mm-hmm. uh, again, it's a very short list of people who've been able to have this type of longevity in the sport of mixed martial arts. So I've got Robbie Lawler on it for sure. Who are three other fighters who you would put on your Mount Rushmore of longevity in the MMA world? Thanks so much. Love you guys. Love the show. That's a really good question. Yeah, because I totally okay. agree with him about Rob Lawler. But yeah. Um, first up, definitely off the top of my head in terms of Mount Rushmore, definitely got to be Anderson Silva. Whilst I think of the next one, you, 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 uh, you crack out one. Um, I hate to, Anderson Silva came to mind right away. He's my favorite Mm. fighter. He's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Like, he's up there. Um. See, I would go again. Maybe this is the nostalgia in me, but Chuck Liddell. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. I could agree with that. I mean, he's a, he's like an MMA almost icon. You know, you have people like Conor McGregor and everybody saying, "Yo, I used to watch this guy." You know what I yeah. mean? And and that's all of us, from the fighters to us. So, I definitely approve of that. Um, p- folks are not gonna like this, but I'm a huge longtime fan of this woman, and I would put Chris Cyborg on my Mount Rushmore. Okay. You know, I've, yeah, I've been watching her since Strike Force. I've been following her career for a long time. So me personally, Gina, Chris Cyborg is on my um, route Rushmore. I would love to see her rematch Amanda Nunes. I think she would put up a hell of a battle, and it's it's sad to me that we might never see that. You but see, that's on, who I was going to go with. I yeah. was going to put Amanda Nunes on my Mount Rushmore because for me, looking at her body of work, looking at what she's achieved, two-weight champion, she is the greatest of all time. When you look at it, look, let's, let's just take the gender out of it. In terms of fighting prowess, you can't actually argue that. But um, I know we were only supposed to have chosen three, but I'm going to slip in a, a cheeky one here and, and, and uh, do, you know, my obvious uh, bowing down and, um, and uh, doffing my cap to Conor McGregor. Yeah, I knew that was coming. I knew, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I can't hate on that one. Connor is a huge player in this game. Yeah. You know, I do. I think he's a goat. Absolutely not. There are no goats on my list because if you don't defend your title, I don't care if you collect belts. Mm. I am but Matt always, Rushmore. We're talking Mount yeah. Rushmore. I'm not putting Connor up there. I, I just, the whole <laughs> collecting belts and not defending them just really turns me off. And I just can't. It just seemed like just, it just seems more business than about the martial art. I feel like yeah. a champion wants to defend their belt. I feel like Connor did business moves so that he could be the person that he is today. You I, see I, the I, difference? I, like mm, I, I feel I feel I don't know why, but whenever we talk Connor McGregor, I feel I, I have to defend him and just remind you of a few things. Remember that this was the guy who brought an entire nation over with him. This was the guy who was the first two-weight champion. This was the guy who essentially changed the game in terms of paying payment for fighters. Now, those are just a few of the things that he has come along with and the UFC has not remained the same since he has actually touched it. Yep. So, that that's why for me, you know, I think more store, more respect, more respect on his name yeah. needs to be put, G. 
I think I, I think what I'll do instead is put Khabib on my Mount Rushmore instead of Connor. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> because okay. yeah, I think my answer will be Khabib Nurmagomedov. I yeah. think this is somebody that has defended the belt. He has brought okay. another country on his back, Russia. Mm. And also he is just as he's a huge international star. Yeah. And again, with Russia on his back and then his small town, Dagestan, on his back, he is the son of a famous Russian wrestler that is the mentor to so many people. Okay. And his, there's no answer to his fighting style. Yeah. And he's on my Mount Rushmore. And on top of that, I find that the controversies that he's involved in outside the UFC are do not compare to Conor McGregor. So therefore, mm. I cannot put his filthy ass on my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I love Coach Kavanaugh, though, and I love SBG. I really do. I go back and forth yeah. with them on, like, Twitter. So if they ever do listen to the show, you know, I love you guys. I just sometimes have a problem with your boy, but I do respect him very much so as a fighter. My God, he's great. <laughs> have we got one more question just before we go? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got um. A little fun one. We're going to go off topic. This is from MMA Exotic. It's a real simple question, but okay. Mike, he said, who is Cowboy fighting next? I'll answer that. Nico Price. Mm. And Mike, I'm going to flip this question and be like, who do you think wins? Cowboy, Cerrone, or Nico Price? I think it's a fascinating matchup. What do you think? Nico Price wins. I just can't help but feel that, you know, the, the Cowboy Cerrone um, has left the building. All, all we have now is old Donald and old Donald <laughs> seems to be there to be picking up checks for his son I now wasn't danger ready for old Donald <laughs> da- yeah but it's true old Donald had a farm <laughs> and it's a shame because the way that I look at how he's performing these days he's tarnishing his legacy and I feel as though okay I got to respect his hustle in that he's here now for his son. Danger is a priority for him. Danger is the reason why he's doing this. And, you know, as a, as a father myself, I see exactly where he's coming from. I respect the hustle. But let's yeah. just call it what it is. He is punching in and punching out his ticket so that basically at the end of the month or whenever it is he gets paid, he gets paid. Let's just call yeah. it what it is. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's not just a paycheck. Hopefully he's fighting for fun. And I always love when fighters do that. Even last night, Daniel Rodriguez, it was so cute in his interview, he told John Anik, he was like, bro, I had so much fun and I melted. So hopefully Cowboy is doing this not just to support his kids, but he's just having fucking fun. And when Mm. he's having fun is when he fights best. That's why when there's pressure on him, he tends to fall apart. But my pick... I'm going to go with Nico here, too, because Nico is dangerous, man. Like, mm. Nico can hit from every angle, and he hits hard, and he's all weird with it, and he's a wild man. And I think Cowboy is a dangerous fight for him, though. I'm not going to sell Cowboy out, but I, in, the, in the long term, I'm going to pick Nico. I'm a little scared of his power, his creativity, and whatnot. And I, I, I do believe he can eat a shot or two. So I think I'm going to go with Nico. And um, I don't know which card this is going to be on, but I do believe they're fighting, and I can't wait to see that one. It's going to be wild. Cool. Well, you know something? That about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. We'll be back midweek with the guys, Kairos and Chisanga for Shots Fired. Gia. Until then, <laughs> make some trouble. I can't even wait. <laughs> bo, 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 shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Let it go!